All right. I do believe we are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am Lev Polyakov at LevPo on Twitter, coming at you all the way live for a very special event today. We have got we oh, we have got a Canadian Catholic here who is not Geo, <laughs> and who is around the uh, Ontario area as well. Is that correct, Canadian Catholic? That's right. Yeah, I'm in Toronto. So oh, man. how how far away <laughs> how far away are you guys from each other then theoretically? Like Gio, what would you say? Hour and a half, two hours betting on traffic. All right. I we should do a stream later well, on when Niagara, you guys like, realistically from Niagara well outside of Niagara Falls, so yeah. Well we're gonna do a stream later on when you guys are in the same spot because you do have the opportunity <laughs> to actually meet each other two we'll Canadian do a big Catholics. Alaska style IRL stream. That's what we'll, we'll yeah, go we'll go down we'll go down Blur and Young and like these. Exactly. Stuff. I mean I hope that there would be some kind of a uh, you know, there can only be one Highlander style showdown between you two. But uh, we'll see what the day brings. Anyway, today we are talking about whether Christianity is logical with Canadian Catholic Gnostic informant. And once again, everybody who is watching this, if you are new to BTR, give a giant subscribe, a big like, click the bell. All that good stuff is incredibly important for this stream to grow, and we really appreciate you doing that. As well as patreon.com slash break the rules, become a patron, support break the rules, and you're gonna get a lot of goodies, as well as Patreon exclusive streams. We had a recent one, uh, which was amazing with uh, 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 what is going on with me? Father anyway, subscribe. Yeah, Father McCarthy, exactly. I am ashamed that I was not able to say the name right now because I'm so excited about the stream. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna be talking. Lev was fighting his genetics right there. From saying a name of a Catholic priest. So <laughs> we are going to be talking today about Christianity, about whether Christianity oh. is logical or not. So we are going to start off. First of all, I want to get a little bit of an intro to Canadian Catholic just because this is their first time here. And then I want to do an opening uh, statement uh, about three minutes long. I'm going to be checking the time from uh, each one of you guys. So uh, let's go for that. So Canadian Catholic, tell us all about yourself. Uh, you want to hear about my life? <laughs> I want to hear about your life. In short. Uh, well, my name is Joshua. Um, I am uh, 22 years old. I stand just under 5 foot 10. Uh, in, uh, 5 feet 10 into 12, just under that. So I guess 5 foot 9. Um, and something, maybe half or something, um, if that's what you want. Um, I have blue eyes and I'm a Christian. There we go. So we are going to get started with the uh, three-minute. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gnostic, would you like to start? This was uh, your well, original plan to have the stream, so I would love for you to uh, do the honors. Before we begin, I just want to get two things straight. Definition yes. of Christianity, which I think you, you and I both agree on. This should be Nicene Creed Christianity. So Orthodox, Catholic, maybe even Protestant, but it has to be the belief that Jesus died on the cross and fulfill the scriptures that has to be what because that's we have to define that right away do you agree on that yeah i have no qualms with that now the definition of logical based on earlier or otherwise known statements events conditions reasonable relating to in accordance with the nature uh reasoning of capable of reasoning does that does that sort of what do you where do you stand on the definition of logical well, I believe the title was your idea, so I'll be happy to accommodate whatever. Um, okay. Then I'm going to go with the 
the one that pops right up on on my search on my search engine it says based on earlier or otherwise known statements events conditions reasonable uh, that's it reason, i mean reasonable i understand completely uh, simple definition very broad you could kind of do a lot you could, sure. that's, that's a definition though so that's what we're going to go with okay. all right well i'm going to start the timer then so gnostic go well, for as joe like, no i was just going to say like i mean that's kind of limiting I, I like the, I guess, Plantiga, like, warranted true belief, I guess, would be a better. But that's just, you know, that's just autism. So, yeah, let's start let's start this. Up. All right, um, let's start this thing. I have the timer right here. All right. So, Christianity is illogical. And the reason why is simple. Christianity claims to be a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And if you look at the Old Testament, there are so many things that we can already knock right out the park okay first of all if you if you are to take the bible literally for what it says the bible is saying that the world was created in the year 4004 bc i mean if you do, if you don't agree with that the bible's lying because all you have to do is simply take the p characters in the bible take the genealogy of jesus from jesus all the way to abraham all the way to noah all the way to adam and you simply get a date, 4004 BC, roughly. Maybe I'm off a little bit, but it's around that time. Now, that is easily, I don't even have to explain how that's just completely false. But let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's all just a metaphor, you know, whatever. The world was kicked off and Big Bang and all this stuff. And Adam and Eve is just the first whatever. Who knows? First whatever that means. But now you still have to prove that Abraham existed, Noah existed, king david who is was who king david claims to be well that's easily checked you can easily check out that abraham didn't exist the stories of abraham in the old testament claim that he was in these giant wars in syria in in the levant in judea didn't happen nowhere in this historical record is there an abraham going to war and winning f giant battles over the land of judea didn't happen there is no such thing um so, so there you got that. Noah, I skipped Noah. I shouldn't have did that. Noah is just completely ridiculous. And I'm saying all this for a reason. I'm going to get to Christianity really before. How much time do I got? Uh, it's one. You have one minute. Okay. Noah, Noah's a flood didn't happen. It claims that it happened in 2800 BC. Same, the same logic I just used. You take the characters in the Bible and you do the math. This person was this, this year, years old when he had this person as a child. You bring it back to Noah, you're in the year 200, 2800 B.C. for this flood. That didn't happen. We know what was going on at the time period. We know the Sargonic Empire was on the rise. You can't have an empire with armies and, 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 and weapons without a giant population. It's impossible. So there was no eight people populating the world in 2800 B.C. It didn't happen. But I say that to say this. If the Old Testament's false, then why did Jesus die for our sins and what is sin anyway? So, so the reason why I'm saying this is if Jesus died for a, for a myth, then why did it even happen? And I'll get to the, I'm, I'm going to get to Jesus in my next go around, but I want to hear your response to that. Bam. All right. There we Wait, go. I don't get how we went from the big Abraham. Oh, shit. Even <laughs> well, next time level put graphics of an alarm. I don't know. I get how we got from Abraham didn't fight in wars to Jesus didn't die for our sins. But 
anyways, I'm just a moderator tonight for now, so cue up the time left for Kane. Well, Gio, you're going to decide who wins. That's question when it gets right, right. Gio, I want I want you to be the impartial judge. You are going to declare who the winner is. Oh man. Okay. All right, Canadian Catholic. You just did that for PR. Go for it, buddy. All right, I'm setting the timer. Here we go. Wait, should should Canadian Catholic use his time better? To formulate a positive argument or to just respond to Gnostic, you can do whatever he wants. You can do whatever you whatever you want. All right, do. all right, all right. All right, here we go. Um, okay, I will try to respond as briefly as I can. So, first of all, we obviously did not hear hear white Christianity is illogical. We heard nothing of the sort. But I'm not blaming uh, Mr. Neil because he said he will go back to that. So, just to respond to a little bit, I mean, I, I thought, with all due respect, that Neil's case was appalling so far. Uh, he refers to biblical chronology that's recognized very well to be a huge literally literary construct that offers us a rich theological history, and he applies some American fundamentalism to it to pretty much argue that it didn't happen. Therefore, it's a myth. Um, that's the first part that I think is preposterous. Um, secondly, he argues that um, Old Testament would not be true if things did not historically happen. That's another false statement, a false dichotomy. Something can be true without it being historical. Um, that's another complete false dichotomy. The other point is um, what I got at least was arguments by... Um, so I got two things here. One was uh, argument from silence. There is no record of Abraham fighting these wars. And the other one was uh, simply attacking a straw man or giving me something that I should defend something uh, much more than I have to, right? So one point is, for example, saying that if I want to maintain that Noah existed, I have to maintain that the global flood happened. That's not the case. All I have to maintain that Noah happened is that Noah existed. Um, it's really not relevant that the global flood happened have happened. Global flood may well be a very rich and interesting um, theological story as it is recognized, uh, as it has been recognized by um, many historians, uh, Julian Willenhaus and so on and so forth. So I do think that these are uh, horrible things. The other point was just by assertion saying that um, Jesus died for a myth, which I mean, I, I don't know where this came from. Presumably it uh, comes from this idea that original sin didn't happen, which I would obviously deny, but we never touched on it. So my conclusion would simply be that pretty much every single point that Mr. Neil brought up is preposterous, ridiculous, and none of them point um, even none of them even begin to point at Christianity's illogicality. In fact, uh, the case is uh, horrible as far as I can tell, and I can see my worst. All right, you All right. still have some more time so, left. I don't know if you want I, to. A contrary but, uh, devil's but, advocate question would be, um, let me think. I, I guess, is it contingent that the truth of Christianity relies on its historicity? or And if you chuck well, the historicity of it, well, nobody is it still true? Yeah, so the first one is the question for the end. Okay, sure. Oh, shit. Wait, we're not, we're, di we're still doing the back and forth? Yeah, we're going to do a back and forth and oh. then... Yeah, I there we go. I didn't tell you that, so you didn't know. And by the way, speaking of oh. questions, everybody sneed those super chat questions out there for all of us to get to. Right now, Alex Redmond is the king of the super chat. Where do that graphics go, by the way? And try not I... to fed post too hard in those super chats. <laughs> yes, unless it concerns food. Then you can feed post all you want. Feed post and sneed post. Anyway, uh, Gnostic, your response. And should we keep a timer for this, or should we just uh, let it flow? Uh, let's have a timer then we'll all right yeah, here yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna time it one more time all right all right so i just found it interesting that you conceded that the flood didn't happen that i thought was pretty interesting because without this flood happening where where do where do we get to this idea of sin like we said we agreed that this debate is on 
logical definition of based on earlier otherwise known statements, events, conditions. That was what we agreed to. So for, for, the, for the New Testament to be true, and it's claiming to be a fulfillment of the Old Testament, of, of, of salvation from the sins that Adam and Eve created, and that the world was flooded out and restarted under Noah, if all that didn't happen, then there's no point to the New Testament at all. Zero point. It doesn't make any sense at all. And um, so that's why I said that. I just wanted to get that out the way. But let's get into Christianity itself, okay? So it, it has tons of ideas of contradictions that are really important. Not just one, somebody said they were at a one location, another person said they didn't. We're talking about who's Joseph's father. Matthew 1.16 says he's the, he is the son of um, Jacob. And Luke 3.23, he's the son of Heli. By the way, Luke and Matthew give two different genealogies. And I know that a lot of Christians will say one's Mary and one's Joseph, but they both say Joseph in the genealogy. So you have two Joseph genealogies that are different. That's right there is a fallacy in, its, in itself. Um, now the Old Testament, now the Christian changed, the Christians changed the Ten Commandments. You have the only thing in the entire Bible given by God himself, etched by his hand to Moses. And he gives Ten Commandments. But somehow, when it gets to Christianity, they have to tweak it a little bit because the Sabbath, who cares about the Sabbath? Remember the holy day. Let's change four and put it to three. Let's take ten and put it to nine. That They even changed around the um, order of the Bible books to make it so that they end on uh, Malachi, in which Malachi ends with the need for the Messiah. The definition of the Messiah changes. The, the Messiah is supposed to be based on King Cyrus or King David and Moses. It's supposed to be the one who takes the 12 tribes and unites them and reigns the kingdom of heaven on earth. Did that happen? No. So as far as I know, no messiahs came yet. There is no messiah. In fact, uh, Yahweh makes it very clear that anyone changes my commandments or my laws, that is not, that is the opposite of what he's looking for. He tells the, um, I mean, he, the, Jesus is technically the anti-messiah. He's changing He's taking the law and saying the Sabbath's made for man. He's changing this. He's turning the Torah on its head in a new in a new fashion. He's against the Jews. He's not uniting the tribes. He does the opposite. Um. So you got that. You got when was he born? In Luke two twenty six or Luke two two through twenty two six, he is born in six A.D., which would be the time of Quirinus, or in Matthew. He's born Our, in the days of Herod, 4 BC. That's a 10-year gap. All right, there we go. So does Yahweh say no way to Jesus, or is that not the case? We will find out. No, stop, no, stop. <laughs> All right, Canadian Catholic, uh, go for it. Well, I made notes, and I'm afraid to say that this was one more really, really bad demonstration from Neil. No offense. It's not an argument. <laughs> of course, it's not an argument because there was no argument here. It was just a bunch of assertions. But we will even. But I, I think even assertions were horrible. That's that's actually even worse and preposterous. So first of all, I would like. To, can I finish? Isn't it my turn? Neil, please, please. Uh, I'm so I think if it's timed, then everyone should start it over. Started. Start it over. But actually, give yeah. an argument this time. Don't just say you didn't. All like right, here. We're starting all right. over. Three, two, 
Well, oh, oh, <laughs> well, I mean, you, okay, that's fine. So the first thing that I would like to explain to Neil and educate him on is that flood has nothing to do with original sin. Uh, this is well known uh, in Christian theology and even in the Old Testament. Flood, the flood story has nothing to do. The other point is that I do believe in flood. I don't believe in the global flood, and I don't have to believe that either way. So nothing in maintaining original sin is concerned with the global flood having happened. This is just ignorance, um, and I would appreciate uh, encouragement. The second point is biblical contradictions, and um, my, my philosophical case is simple. No biblical contradiction could in principle show that Christianity is illogical, because no one can argue, for example, that God could not uh, preserve uh, two documents that on their face are contradictory to give a greater point. Does Neil have an argument against that? Of course not. Let's assume, for example, in the case of genealogies, that Luke's genealogy and Matthew's genealogy are based on two perhaps contradictory Jewish documents that were important to um, Gentiles to assess Jesus's, um, I guess, Jesus's pedigree. Is that not inspired, even if they are prima facie not both historically accurate? Of course they, they can be. So there is no case absolutely to be made. It's just ignorance nonsense. Um, now, another po point here was uh, about... Uh, okay, Christians change the Torah. Um, okay, so now there's a lot I could delve into, but the more important thing in reading Paul is, well, when we're talking about change, what are Christians concerned with, right? If Christians were concerned with keeping the Torah, then indeed they've changed it. But Christians aren't concerned with uh, keeping the Torah when we're concerned with keeping the Ten Commandments. What we're concerned with is keeping the Ten Commandments as part of natural law, which is what Paul argues for. Paul argues for uh, keeping what Christians call natural law, of course, and it was the great uh, medieval theologian John Dan Scotus that identified they did all uh, ten um, commandments deal with natural law. So we're not in, so when we have ten commandments, we're not interested in furthering the Torah or the Jewish religion. We don't follow the Jewish religion. We follow the Christian religion. As it happens, the Torah has applicability for natural law, and that's why uh, we're happy keeping it. Um, so we are keeping it as far as it comports with natural law, and as that happens, keeping the Sabbath has nothing to do with natural law, though the underlying idea behind keeping the Sabbath does. So, uh, no Messiah, I don't even remember what this was, but his argument was, well, I mean, I, I think he, it was a very badly formed argument about how Jesus wasn't the Messiah that Jews expected, which we would have to get into more specifically, but uh, I don't know. When was Jesus born has the same exact problem that um, uh, Neil brought up. Um, if it so happens, for example, that Luke's point is less to do history and to do make maybe Greek biography, and he did so infallibly, why is that not inspired? Of course, Neil has nothing to say here. Absolutely nothing to answer to that. He just... Of course I do. Can, can I finish? So it has nothing to say here. So uh, quite frankly, I see absolutely no evidence whatsoever that Neil has presented to argue that Christianity is logical. Just throw out a bunch of assertions. There is no argument, no inference, nothing. It's, as far as I can tell, a non sequitur. And here, uh, in fact, uh, to just demonstrate uh, Neil's ignorance. Okay, sure. I'll stop. All right. It is funny, so, by the um, way, how, how a Gnostic uh, just said, like, one sentence. Like, I have a feeling, like, if Gnostic would have just uttered, like, uh, then Canadian Catholic would have been like, let me finish. But anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah. No, no, but, like, fair, to be fair, though, you know. Um, but bef before you answer, Gnostic, I have one question. Um, there, there are sort of, I think, many disagreements between Thomas and people that follow Duns Scotus. But just for clarity's sake... Um, are you equating sort of the logical soundness of Christianity with natural law itself? And what would you say to other people who are not as favorable to natural law, even, you know, certain sects of orthodoxy? Hold that, hold that, that question. Cause I don't want to get off. I don't want to oh, get Okay. Off. Okay. Yeah. So Neil, you go. That's ahead. a good question though. That's a good question. That's, no, but that's all my, my own theological nerd. I'll get to it. So. I promise I'll get to it. 
But I want right. to get my last little segment in real quick before we start. Right. Here we all go. Right, all right, all right. Here we go. This is the last time one. After that, we can have more of a fl- free flow. Here we go. All right. Numbers Numbers 23.19 says that God is not human, that he should lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak not, then act? Does he f- promise and not fulfill? So there's so much in there that already debunks Christianity. Jesus is a man, period. He died. If he if he didn't die and have blood, then he wasn't a man. So, um, so he, and changing his mind is you you you're talking about fulfilling the Torah and making it part of natural law. That's God changing his mind because he didn't tell the old he didn't tell anyone in the Old Testament he was going to do that. He didn't tell anyone in the Old Testament about his son at all. He doesn't mention Jesus. So that's that's God changing his mind. That's directly twisting and making this completely illogical by the definition of the, of the word logical that we agreed on. This makes the whole thing illogical. Um, so, so let's get into the text then. So, so why would you why would you trust sources that there's only seven authentic epistles of Paul, and the rest are written by some pseudo name? Um, for James, for example, James is supposed to be the brother of the Lord, James the Just. Well, according to Josephus, he dies by getting stoned to death. According to another church father, he gets thrown down a uh, top of a building. How did he die? Which which one is it? I don't know. You tell me. And his his uh his epistles written to the twelve tribes dispersed. He supposedly died in sixty two A.D. The tribes weren't dispersed till seventy A.D. So who wrote James? I don't know. The whole thing is com- becomes completely illogical. And as far as what you asked me about the um, Old Testament and the New Test about the um, Messiah not coming, if the fulfillments of the messianic prophecies are not fulfilled, the Messiah never came. It doesn't matter if he says he's going to come back. The thousand-year reign of Satan being chained up has been done. In fact, in the year 1000, Pope Sylvester II came out and said, "This is it. This is the end times, guys. It's all gonna. This is it." Everyone went crazy for 30 years, and nothing happened because it's never gonna happen because Christianity's false. All right, that's it. Pope Sylvester II was also purported to have said right afterwards, "Suffer and succotash." But anyway. Uh, can, can, can you, you were waiting for like you were just waiting for that joke. Anyways, uh, um, just imagine Jay, Sylvester the Cat in the Hat. Anyway, yeah. so, so this one, final segment. Yes, and answer why no, Jesus is a false prophet, Messiah. Sure. So, so we've done so we've done three segments so far, and we can't even make one inference that says therefore Christianity is false. Uh, in fact. Everything suggested Niels assumes it. Um, I thought you don't that. understand. Okay. Are we going to keep him interrupting? So the the point is that I think this is a miserable failure. I mean, if if, if all of those arguments are non sequitur and there aren't even arguments, then what are we even doing here? So I, I would say that's a miserable failure. Now, God doesn't lie. This is an interesting passage because um, I, now again, I'm just stuck here explaining single passages, which is basically instead of Neil making an argument, he's just asking me to help him exegete passages. I'm having to do that, but that has nothing to do with Christianity being logical. But I'll do that, fine. So the one thing about numbers, um, I'll do systematic theology for him, is that God isn't a man that he should lie. We agree with that. God isn't a man that he should lie, and God never lied. And at that time, God wasn't ever incarnated. So I guess that statement made sense. I, I don't I don't see what the problem there is. Jesus is a man, obviously. Now, James the Just, how did he die? What about um, changing his mind? You didn't get to that part. You skipped that part. Well, hold on. Let, me, let him finish. Uh, this guy changed his mind. 
Well, God doesn't have a mind, so how can he change his mind? What does that mean? Uh, God doesn't have multiplicity of thoughts. That's not our view. So you're just making stuff up there. Uh, so obviously God never changes his mind because God doesn't have a mind. <laughs> how could he change what he doesn't have? Uh, now, the important part here is James the Just. How did he die? Um, I don't see what makes um, the question of a legitimate historical disagreement between Christianity, sorry, between some sources. Uh, what here would be the inference, therefore, Christianity is illogical. That's just, there is none. But again, he's asking me to help him out, and I'll be happy to. Um, I don't know which one is more reliable. It seems like Josephus has a bunch of things going on. The other thing is pseudepigrapha. Uh, no argument was given by pseudepigrapha can't be inspired. All that's required for inspiration is that it carry a theological me message sanctioned by God in its entirety. That's all that's required for inspiration. Uh, it being written by James is not required. I do believe it was written by James, but I don't have to affirm that in order to argue that it is inspired. So, three segments went by and none of these things can be taken together and we can't make a single inference a single inference that christianity is illogical so what we've had here is um neil basically asking me to help him out with systematic theology neil asking me to help him out with exegesis which i'm happy to do but it has had absolutely nothing to do with the debate topic or him um you know explaining what his method is supposed to be other than asking okay there's tough questions in systematic theology why don't you help me out i mean you know neil if you wanted to you could just invite me and ask me help me out i need your help and i'll be i'd be i'd have been happy to help you and educate you that's no problem go ahead Okay. All right, so yes, yeah, so uh, before your response, I'll just want oh, to make an man, announcement. That was brutal. Um, uh, all the people who are new here, don't forget to become members of the BTR Discord. I just posted the link in the in the chat, so there we go. Anyway, Neil, go for it. Neil's about to gnaw his chain off right now. When you say that God doesn't have a mind, therefore he can't change his mind. So when he gives the law, and he has specific things that he does not want the Israelites to do, and then. The Messiah comes. He's supposed to fulfill this. He's supposed to unite the tribes. He's supposed to usher kingdom on earth, Olam Haba, the world to come. And that doesn't happen. And instead, the tribes are dispersed. Jerusalem falls. And the law is completely abolished. That's what I mean by changing his mind and not fulfilling his promises. That's what I mean by that. That's a very clear thing. If, it's not, if, you, if you can't understand that, that's not my fault. Well, yeah, I well, wanted we're... to ask, though... Mm -hmm. um, well, I wanted to get back. Well, the questions I had too. One was about sure. um, Jesus not fulfilling the covenant, but also about Thomism versus Duns Scotus. Uh, but no, what do you mean specifically, Canadian Catholic, uh, by God does not have a mind within the context of Catholicism in particular? Well, do you mean I mean, that he doesn't have a sort of a mortal um, right, so, sense of so cognition? Neil confuses laws for humans with God changing his mind. The fact that laws change for humans and ideas change for humans doesn't mean that God is changing his mind. Of course, God can only change his mind if God never actually foresaw what was going to happen. But if you just want to stick with the Bible, it's pretty clear that God always foresaw this happening. I mean, if you go to Psalm 138, I believe it is, 139, in fact, in the uh, English versions, it's clear that God is supposed to be omnipotent, uh, omniscient. So if God is omniscient, he couldn't, in principle, have changed his mind. There is no change going on there. All that happens is developments for us humans, and that's th there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with those kinds of developments, right? I mean, um, there, I, I, I haven't seen any argument given or anything semblance of an argument. It's just pretty much... A that's exactly... I wasn't done. 
just petulant complaints of him being unable to understand complicated things in systematic theology. And I'm happy to help you out if that's what you're doing, but I thought this was supposed to be a debate about the logic of Christianity. Let me ask you, Neil, though. What do you yeah. mean specifically by Christ is... Is it, are you saying that the falseness of Christ is that he does not complete the old the Old Testament covenant? Or well, yeah, the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament front to back, every word of it, not just little passages that you think are are very Christian. And uh, yeah, look at this uh, uh, Isaiah fifty three, the suffering servant, which is about the Israelites. But anyways, if you read the whole thing in its, in its full context, it's all about the, the law. The law is perfect. When the Israelites follow the law. Life is good. When the Israelites don't follow the law, they get sacked by the Assyrians. That is the whole message of the book. It doesn't mean that mm. some Messiah has to come along and tell the Israelites that you're actually the sons of the, of the devil. But is it possible for that law to only have existed at that time specifically for them, not because God yeah, changed his mind, but the because... Uh, they squandered the deal, too. I think that's why God... Well, do you, you remember that uh, uh, passage from Last Temptation of Christ where uh, Jesus said... Don't ever bring that up in front of my presence ever again. No, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I, it, was a, what... it was a good... It was a, in sort of cinematography. It was a very well-done movie. It's just that it was Martin Scorsese as Italian Catholic getting over his own neurosis towards... The Italian Catholic Church. You remember that? You remember that snake with the breasts? Oh Jesus! Okay. Anyway, when you, uh, when you say the Israelites squandered the deal, I mean that is like saying that God, who chose Jacob to make him Israel, right? He could have known this ahead of time. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. Mm -hmm. Right. So well, maybe he lied to him. That would mean that he is the one who's failing. He chose Israel and he failed. So therefore, he had to go to the... To Unless the, he um, knew that they were going to fail and it's all part of God's fail, plan. Probably. That's just so illogical, though. That's the whole point. Well, no, well I, though, then, then sure God could be like a trickster entity. Then we could say God is the trickster entity that makes something, uh, you know, apparent for some people, but then takes it away from them later well, on. Level, we're going to bring up a last temptation of Christ? Yes. Yeah, so with the last temptation of Christ, I was just going to say that... Uh, uh, Jesus, played by the uh, great Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe? Yes, said that uh, now people are ready for something new. When, uh, you know, he was, I believe, in the, uh, in the temple and they were castigating what he was doing. So that was his argument, that the old law was the old law, but now people are ready for something new. Yeah, and if you read the book, you have to of... use the most heretical film ever made, love, <laughs> to make that point. The people, the Christ of people, were ready for something new. Well, that's, you... the, that's the, the funny part about that is the Old Testament addresses these type of things. I mean, if you if you accept Maccabees as historical, let's the, maybe it's not in, it's divinely inspired. Maybe it's not part of the Tanakh, but it talks about be, having people come into Israel and trying to change things and trying to tweak things and. The Maccabees revolting against that and saying, no, we're sticking to the law purely. No statues, no nothing. That is, and that's that's the point. Hmm. And there, there is no a comment from, uh, from Danzo, which I would like for you guys to address. So Danzo says, it's impossible for Israel to squander the deal. God promises several times that he will never forsake Israel no matter what they do. Can we yes. get a biblical certification on what is being said here? Canadian Catholic. Uh, yes, Danzo is absolutely right, and this is why Paul is clear. Israel will never falter because the new Israel is the Christian church. In fact, that's mm. the Catholic teaching that Israel is the Christian church, and therefore Israel will never falter. 
See, love? See? <laughs> See? That's wow, how that we got around it, baby! So God conquered him God conquered his own people and made them and made them into dispersed in, throughout the world just to have a new religion come in and completely flip everything on its head, turn God into three people. Wait, so just a second. Are we going to be addressing what he said previously about the prophecies and the Messiah or no? Sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Before we get so, into the prof fulfillment, let's do that before. Because I have a question for Neil as well. So go ahead. Yeah, so the fulfillments of things are, again, as usual, Neil is bad. Now, the other point is... Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Sorry. So uh, a couple of things here that need to be said. Well, first of all, when Neil talks about historicity, he it's he's completely missing everything. Like when the New Testament and other things are historical, they're historical in the sense that Plutarch is historical. They're historical in the sense that Herodotus is historical. They're not historical in the sense that Washington Post articles are. More importantly, the dying and uh, rising. Well, there's two things to be said. First of all, interpretations of prophecies were often esoteric. This is what people like Neil don't mention. Um, the prophecies were supposed to be esoterically fulfilled. Be it as it may, uh, Talmud's Sanhedrin 98, uh, 98b and 93b both see the suffering servant as referring to a messiah. Yes, unfortunately, that's true. And by the way, if Neil had actually asked Richard Carrier about this, who we both hosted, he has hosted me, he would have enlightened him and taught him that that's the case, but he, he failed to do that. So, what? yes, the Talmud. Say that again? Yeah, the Talmud nine. Uh, actually, this is from Carrier's article. I'm I'm just literally. Uh, but but wait, so Kenny and Kathy, you were saying that, that in in terms of just Talmudic or like let's say, post Second Temple rabbinical Judaism, these truths were supposed to be um, allotted esoterically. Well, no. So what I'm saying is that uh, a lot of um, understanding of prophecies in the New Testament is with double meaning. So so the thing is that what people like Neil do is they'll only take what the author at the time meant or was referring to right. the most immediate circumstances, right? So for example, they'll take about the you know stuff like um you know virgin conceiving or the young woman and oh this refers to Hezekiah in the immediate context. And the answer is well that's not how the early Jews saw this, right? They they of course saw the ability to reinterpret prophecies, right? Which right. is what I, I agree with that. And, doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that Christianity. I wasn't done. Sure. But the other point was that, uh, yes, the Talmudic view is that um, the, Isaiah chapter 53 is indeed referring to a suffering Messiah. And it said 93 says that the Messiah would suffer in 98, actually, as far as I know, confirms that I, it's referring to um, specifically. But, but you're saying that within the context of Thomistic divine simplicity and so forth. Yeah, I uh, never brought up divine simplicity here. Oh, okay, no, no, but I mean in general, you're saying that that is in contradiction to, let's say, rabbinical traditions of exegesis interpretation, esoteric revealing, and so forth. No, you're saying I, that... I, I didn't say anything of the sort. All I'm saying is that when people are saying that Jesus did not fulfill prophecy or something, they're often applying very stringent conditions, where, for example, the interpretation can never be um, esoteric. Whereas mm. all the evidence suggests that's how Jew Jews saw their interpretations all the time. Mm. But more importantly, there's a bunch of interpretations that Jesus, well, I mean, there's a bunch of things that Jesus did fulfill. In fact, if you want to uh, look at the Talmudic understanding of Isaiah 53, it's not referring to Israel there. It is referring to Messiah. But more importantly, it can be both. It can refer, that's the mm. point of the esoteric interpretation, as mm, uh, Matthew see. and others understand it. Uh, Gnostic, what was that uh, element that you talked about earlier on? regarding the uh, Passover lamb or ram and some mix-up that you were referring to there with well uh, yeah well I was, this is that, that's actually a good question because I was just gonna say to Catholic I don't disagree that the writers of the New Testament are taking 
messianic prophecies from the Old Testament and repurposing them for Jesus. That's fine. But that's that doesn't that, that doesn't mean I, that that's not there's nothing that's like are we going to get to the let me make my point, right? Like I, you, you know, I, I cut you off. Now you cut me off. I guess for even now. <laughs> so, so okay. So yeah, th- there's nothing that impressive about that at all. You got this guy Jesus. He gets killed as a crucifixion. How do we? How do we? How do we make this? The, 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 the per- he fails. Okay, he doesn't usher in the kingdom of heaven. There's twelve tribes are united. So how do we repurpose this to make him the Messiah? Oh, here's Isaiah fifty three. That's perfect. They're suffering. They're getting sacked by the Assyrians. We repurpose that for Jesus. There's nothing that's impressive about that at all. Now, with that being said, but, but Christendom did unite, Neil. I thought that was that's not the problem. Christendom didn't unite. What do you mean? How, how does it? How do you figure? There's a thousand sects of Christianity right now, and they all think the other no, one. No, 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 no. But that that was because of heretical so, infiltrated. Uh, our, our exactly. So they're not yeah. united. <laughs> Wait, on, one at a time, everybody. One at a time. Canadian Catholic. So are the moderators supposed to debate too, or is it me and you know, So in the beginning, it was Gnostic and you, but now I think we're adding a little bit of uh, salt and pepper yeah. to the mix. They're, they could jump in. It's fine. Uh, I lost my... No, I had no problem. I, I just didn't know the rule. No, I want to make sure, Gnostic, you go over the uh, pa- Passover Seder thing in detail. Just oh, that's so... what it was. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay, so you reminded me. So with that being said, they're taking all this stuff from the Old Testament and repurposing for Jesus. And one of those things is on Passover, which, by the way, hold on, don't nod your head and say anything yet. How do you how do you know what I'm going to say? How do you know? So Passover, right? By the way, there's no historical anything of saying that there's being tribes by the Sanhedrin being done on Passover. They didn't do any work on Passover, so that didn't happen. But anyway, let's say it did. Let's say it did. They're taking one one. Um, they're taking two prisoners and and saying we're gonna let one go and we're gonna kill the other one now anyone who knows the torah or anything about deuteronomy or numbers or leviticus will tell it's actually from leviticus they'll tell you that there is a on on yom kippur the holiest day of the year for the jews they take one goat and another goat and slaughter one for the to sacrifice for your sins literally literally this is a sin offering it's atonement and let the other one free so obviously what they're doing is they're, they're, it's a metaphor for the Yom Kippur. Why they put it on Passover? I don't know, because they're a bunch of dumb idiots that are writing in Greek that don't know they're not real Jews. So they're just, this is what they're doing. So it's a, it's, a, it's a wrong interpretation of Yom Kippur being applied to Passover. And it didn't happen. It's not historical. Which is, why it's, which is the definition of illogical. You're taking something that means something else and applying it to Passover. Canadian Catholic response? So the first thing is when he's talking about repurposing, he says that this is the gospel's doing uh, this. And I'm going to be honest, this isn't just the gospel's doing it. This is what Jews do. This is what the Talmud does. This is the proper practice, right? That's my point. If you look at the Sanhedrin, as I said, um, you can see these things. Now, the other point is, to, to be honest, I'm not even sure what the point was supposed to be. His point is that people did not try other people on the Passover. Um, I mean, if you want to... Um, really go into divergent uh, dates for the Passover, we're, we're stuck with the same problem as I've said, that no inference can be made from, um, I guess, accounts from the Bible that are at, at odds with each other. To We can't go from there to say that they aren't inspired, because for all we know, that might convey different messages in different ways. In fact, like, 
uh, as I've explained, what is wrong with the idea that, for example, John puts uh, Jesus' death on a different day to make a theological point that he is the lamb that's going to be slaughtered? What What is illogical about that? Right? It's, I mean, not, it's not so much, uh, sorry for me to cut in here, but it's not so much, I think, about putting a different date as much as can we establish certain things were just not done. And even if you could say in the Talmud, there's lots of... Uh, argumentations between the rabbis there are still certain things that we could say this is set in stone this is exactly how it's done so in relation to what neil was talking about can we establish certain things about um about passover for example and about the uh when you can uh when you can try people and so on and so forth i don't know what that's supposed to be i mean well okay i'll i'll, I'll say this fine if you want to interpret the bible like that and just say and maybe it didn't. Maybe it's not historical, but we can interpret it this way. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But that, 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 that what's the difference between that and Greek mythology? So the point is that the Bible is a collection of books. Some books are going to be historical. Some books are going to be allegorical. Some books are going to be in between. Right. The point of the Bible isn't its accuracy in history. The, the reason we um, profess. The Bible is because it leads the church to all truth. That's the reason. And Greek mythology doesn't do that. Now, more importantly, the books that are historical, like the Gospels, are historical in the sense that Plutarch is historical and in the sense that Herodotus is historical. They're not historical in the sense that, that uh, in the way we practice history today, which developed in the 19th century. The fact that I need to explain this to you mm. isn't no good. But more importantly... I'm still waiting for the point at which we can well, say... Well, hold on. Just just what I get this means, and uh, I'm a little bit new to a lot of these things here, so uh, uh, please pardon me, but if I understand this correctly, what you're saying is that certain things in the Bible, however many of them, can just be falsifications, can just be things that are put in there, mythologies that have no bearing on actual historical fact, that they could have just been some mythology that was crammed in there, but that's not the point. So, yeah, no, not not mythology in the sense that you're using. Uh, myth and scholarly views have different definitions. But more importantly, uh, the idea that all of the Bible is supposed to be history in the literal sense isn't something that any uh, serious Christian... Uh, okay. Okay, but if it's not history in the literal sense, how do you define that? If it's not history, what is it other than mythology then? Like, what would be the in-between okay, point I between history mythology... and mythology? So you're using the word mythology to refer to something that fictional. And, yes. And history and fiction aren't dichotomies. This is bullshit that people made up. And I try to educate people, and they're continuing to make up this. And, you know, it's called historical illiteracy. I try to educate people, but there is no educating. So they just embarrass themselves over and over. And I'm like, okay, if you want to embarrass yourself, embarrass yourself. So um, there is multiple genres that exist, right? There are some genres that are novellas. There are some genres that are novels. There is historical fiction. And then there are legends. And then there is a myth in the scholarly definition. And then there is the mythology in the colloquial definition. The colloquial definition of mythology means made-up story. In the in the normal uh, sense, myth refers to a lasting, lasting, um, I don't know how to phrase this basically, but, I mean, off the top of my head, but basically a lasting narrative. Now, the reason we hold to the Bible which, of course, is historical in certain ways and in certain books and isn't in others, isn't because of its historicity or lack of it, but because it guides the church to all the truth. That's the point, right? That's why. Yeah. But the mythology. Yeah. Okay, so. Truth? What is that truth? I mean, the truth of the Christian faith, I suppose. What is well, that? 
if if it's if we don't know what's historical and what's what's the what's the point? What's the point of Jesus dying for our sins if if Adam? What's the point of anything? Like I don't know. Mm. It seems gnostic. It seems that you have to reify the truth of the of the Old Testament and of the rabbinical tradition in order to make your point against Mm. Christianity. No, but I want I want to get a little bit deeper on the question that I was asking earlier. I know I don't want to cut you off, gnostic. I want you to get back to that very important question of what is uh, you know the point of all of this, but. Just to get back to what Canadian Catholic was saying, if we're talking about mythology, then I want to separate the kind of mythology that's this lasting thing that could have been true, and specifically talk about the kind of mythology, or you can call it whatever you want, basically something that is fiction, or something that we have no way of uh, verifying is not fiction. You know, we could be kind of wishy-washy about it, say like, well, we don't know whether there was a Noah, or we don't know whether there was so on and so forth. I think what well, Gnostic I, I was bringing up in the beginning, one, one second, please. I think what Gnostic was bringing up in the beginning with all these examples is how can we actually logically say that these characters that existed, which may be lasting myths that could have happened and could have, or could have not happened, how can we say that they no, but 100% look, the problem happened? Is when you go back, when you're trying to prop up this argument against Christianity, you go back to supporting claims from the Old Testament, from the rabbinical tradition, and so forth. So it's like, well, what if they were true? Or what if they're inaccurate? Then what if the older Sumerian texts are inaccurate? It's like, the problem is that when you don't, when you're viewing things through this sort of logical positivist lens, of historicity, then you can just keep going back and saying, well, that's contradictory. Then you're not arriving at an eternal truth. That's my problem. I disagree. You can arrive at the eternal truth, but that doesn't mean that the specific things happen in the way that they were written to happen. I don't no, see but, what one has to do with the Catholic, other. What we're saying is that when it comes to the mythopoetics of certain parts of the Bible, not all of them, a lot of them are historically accurate. It's that it supports the grand total truth and narrative of Christianity so as what? a guide for the faithful. So what? It doesn't mean that those things were true, and it doesn't mean that the specific things that happened in Christianity as far as the prophecies are true either. They could be going towards a universal is, truth of, like, love and things of that nature, sure. Yeah, but that's the problem. You, you're, you have a, you're purposefully inflicting a very narrow definition of truth as yeah, but historical then, but then Christians. Oh, let me say something. Okay. What about we don't know exactly so that Julius Caesar what? crucified those sailors, did we? No, and they, but there's but they're, well, they're, not, they're not claiming Julius that. Caesar wasn't the emperor of Rome. He was just some fucking guy. Right? Yeah, Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar was black. Hold on. Julius Caesar, Caesar was black. He was a black woman, exactly. Caesar. Yeah. Julius Caesar's not claiming that you have to believe in him to have eternal life. This is yes, just... he did. No, he didn't. The, the imperial cult of the Roman Emperor. Yeah, that's not just Julius Caesar. That's Zeus. No, but I'm saying in ge- in general, it's the truth that the Roman Emperor was seen as a divine figure that guides the truth of the Roman Empire. Well, why not? Why shouldn't we believe in him then? But here's but here the big, well, the big question. That exists. The big question is this: If what's the, well, the reason why I ask? What is the truth? Of, why is Christianity the, the truth of of the faithful when the Old Testament says one thing: don't eat pork, follow the Sabbath, and the New Testament says another thing? Then that make why? How is that not illogical in the sense that which one I'm supposed to follow? Yeah. The, the one in Hebrew or the one in Greek? Kicking Catholic good. Right. So what you're doing right now is asking questions, pretty much that boils down to how do we do systematic theology? That's sure. a great question. But you came here to argue that Christianity is illogical, but not to ask illogical. You shouldn't have to ha- ask that question. And you can you can answer that and whatever. What argument is there that so what, what your argument is is if Christianity is logical, there would be no need for systematic theology. Right. What is what is what is the what is yeah. evidence you have for that argument or that assertion? 
Because if something's true, it doesn't have to be defined in a certain way by a certain definition, by a certain sect, by a certain no, denomination. What evidence do you have that the fact that there is necessity of systematic theology means that Christianity is illogical? What, what evidence do you have for this? Because the, the, the average person that's born into this world has no way of knowing that the Orthodox is true, that Islam is true, that the Mormons are true. There's no way of knowing. They all, they're all claiming to have the truth, and none of them can prove it. So that's relativism, but I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm pressing you to answer my question. Your point is you had a God that you had a God that cares and only wants you to believe in this one thing. All he has to do is let it be known. Write it on the moon. That's why it's illogical, because you, we don't have any response from a God who claims to only want one thing, and that's worship. He's claiming this, but where's where oh. do we see this? We well, did God God's... divinely inspire Martin Luther? I, I don't think so. Well, that's what I mean. It's, uh, you're saying that because the church, not but, the church itself is divided. It's a certain Protestants would say yes, though. Protestants would say, yeah, Martin Luther saved Christianity. He'll say whatever. I'm, I don't know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. How do you? Well, how, yeah. When you have, but the I'm bringing this back to this point because this is why it's so important. When you have the Old Testament, when the New Testament is claiming to fulfill the Old, Jesus is supposed to be the Messiah. The Messiah is a concept brought about from the Jews in the Old Testament. So if you're going to say that you're going to fulfill the Old Testament, it should have a logical uh, logical line all the way through. It shouldn't have to be changed and turned on its head and then contradicts each other. That's, what, that's, why, I made, that's why I said illogical. It's illogical. Right, I mean, you got one. You got one book saying, "Don't eat pork, follow the Sabbath." You got the other one saying, "Oh, just believe in the Son who died for your sins." That's completely contradictory to each other. They have two different, and, and I mean, you that makes it illogical by in itself, right there. Canadian Catholic. Yeah, so, so I I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, I, I still can't see anything that would demonstrate that Christianity is illogical other than to see a bunch of things that confuses Neil. And I don't think anybody argued that in Christianity there wouldn't be things that would confuse you. That's not the problem. Oh, there's a lot of people that are confused about it, so I guess God's not doing his job. There's well, no let's, well, let's focus on uh, something that I was uh, talking about before just because you know me, how I like to do these things sometimes. I want to focus in on a particular issue and beat that horse to death. So the issue that I want to focus on, again, is what uh, Neil talked about before relating to the uh, Passover. Please repeat just once again what you said as far as when are people not supposed to be uh, uh, executed or, did you say, j just tried for murder? Well, the whole point of that was when you look at this, the narrative of Jesus and Barabbas, there's clearly a, it's clearly a metaphor of the Yom Kippur, of one, two goats, one getting let free, and one of them being slaughtered for the sins of all the people of Israel. Jesus was that one. Barabbas was one who was let free. And it doesn't get any closer than that. I'm, I've heard Michael Okona try to argue that because, one, because the goat gets let out outside of the city, therefore it's not the same. Come on, that's ridiculous. This is clearly a, a, this is clearly a narrative borrowing from Yom Kippur, which is a totally different time of the year, by the way. But can we agree on that? Can we agree that this narrative is borrowed from Yom Kippur? 
Do you agree, Canadian Catholic? Um, I mean, I'm not sufficiently familiar with the issue to either agree or disagree. Well, Leviticus 16. I mean, I mean, let's let's look at the whole the whole text, right? Do we see do we see parts of the text that are borrowing from parts of the Old Testament? Joseph was was the the the, uh, the the most favorable son out of all of the twelve brothers, and he was sold by Judas for twenty shekels. Jesus gets sold by Judah, Judah which also means Judas, by the way, for thirty shekels. So we we see a reflection there. You see, yeah, there's see, many parts like there's that. So many of those. So that's my yeah. But what, how does that contradict the truth of Christianity no, by saying that there's parallels with the Old it Testament? Doesn't. The point I'm trying to make is clearly the Yom Kippur event is being portrayed in Jesus's trial. And okay. and so there's, I mean, there's di- there's many differences though as well. Right, but so 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 here's my point. Here's my point. Let me nail it home right now. All right. Okay. You have you have a a. a a metaphor from the Old Testament being being shown in the New as the trial, right? And you also have no historical evidence of any of these trials ever taking place on Passover. There's never mm. any other time in history where you have one person getting let go on Passover, another person being killed on Passover. It doesn't happen. So which one is it? Is it is it this is just a, a narrative being put into the Bible to explain why Jesus got killed? That's what I think. Uh, Neil... I'm very interested in the points you're pursuing, but all you're saying is here are interesting parts to think about. I'm asking you, at what point do we say this, 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 and therefore Christianity is logical? What you're saying is these are interesting parts. I agree with that. These are interesting parts, maybe interesting metaphors, maybe interesting points. But I want you to get to the point of the debate. which before, is that- Well, before we're talking about whether something's interesting or not interesting, I want to define whether or not Neil is correct or incorrect about those parts. Then we can get to the, uh, I, the fruit of the tree see, over here. Like before I that, I just don't see the logic of... No, but one, th- one thing that Neil that- said... I'll give you an example, Gio. One okay. thing that Neil said right now is that on Passover, you do not do any execution. Now... First of all, how do we know that the death of Jesus was on Passover? That's number one. Well, because Good Friday, that was supposed to be when Jesus died, right? Yeah. Well, Good Friday, that's a Friday. That's not... uh, Well, when is Passover? Hold on. Is that on Friday? You don't know when Passover... (laughs) <laughs> this is why this is why I'm always surprised by people pointing out that I'm a small. <laughs> yes, exactly. Passover Passover lasts for seven to eight days, so it would have been okay. it would have been within that week. Yes. Okay. Why do we no? Well, how do we know it was within that week and it wasn't just some or, other? No, uh, actually, the the Bible itself has two different, and it's, I'm not exactly sure which one it is. One of them has them getting is happening on Passover Eve. The other one says on Passover. Okay, so so Canadian Catholic, I know that you may say, well, what's the point of all this? But can you say right now that we're all we're all in agreement that the death of Jesus, uh, well, before the resurrection, took place during Passover? Can we all agree on that? And if no, why not? Uh, so Jesus died around the Passover, um, as we know. There is a difference between the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Mark as to where Jesus died, when exactly Jesus died. All are agreed that Jesus died during the Passover. This is scholarly consensus with almost like very few deviations at all. Um, the question is, what about the discrepancy? And as it happens, discrepancy is very nice and very easily accounted for. 
because uh, John places the death of Jesus at the day, I think it's a Saturday, I can't remember, is it Thursday? When the lambs were getting slaughtered, um, to make the point, the theological point, that Jesus is the lamb that's about to be slaughtered. Very, very deep uh, theological meaning here. Um, so I, I guess that's the difference, but it's pretty much scholarly consensus that Mark and uh, Luke and Matthew probably have it right, as far as historical details goes, of course, John also has it right uh, by our lights, because Jesus is that lamb which is going to be sacrificed for the world. So before we get to the lamb, I know, Gnostic, you're very excited about the lamb, but before we feast on that lamb, I want to get to the uh, other part of this, which is, if we are all in agreement that this took place around Passover, are we also all in agreement that you are not, according to Jewish tradition, you are not allowed to have any execution during uh, the time of Passover. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, like Alpine is saying, Alex Alpine, that's why they rushed it. The execution and burial could take place before the uh, Pashash Shabbat. So, am I saying that right? Yeah. But if it's still during Passover, then it wouldn't matter, right? This is what I'm trying to establish here. If it's during, if it's not during Passover, then fine. But if it's during Passover, how can this happen? That's what I'm not clear about here. Well, I mean, it didn't. It couldn't. Have, it probably wouldn't have happened if if, it, if this is a historical event, which I'm I'm willing to agree it was. Probably happened right before. Probably right okay, before. but Canadian yeah. Catholic. Do you do you see that the something is not a lot? Something's not logical here. If it no, happened during it, Passover, so, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. So I don't see anything uh, being illogical in here. What I do see is that Neil is pointing out that the historical record can help us be better in our systematic theology of reconciling Matthew, Matt, Mark, Luke, and John to get to the truth of it. I see that part. I don't see where the illogicality comes in. Well, do you agree that during the time of Passover, you are not allowed to execute anybody? Uh, I think the Bible states so, yeah. Then how the heaven could they execute Jesus Christ during Passover, which we all agreed was the time that he was executed? Well, uh, at least if you trust the Gospels, um, at least some of the Gospels uh, here, he could have been... Uh, executed just before the passover and i'm fine but the, I'm no fine. but that's not okay you're fine with that but just to be clear that is not that was not that was not the earlier consensus just to be clear that was the that was not the earlier consensus that you made canadian catholic no, when consensus, you did say consensus is, consensus is that jesus did die on a friday um whatever i mean it's not it's not this is not the end all be all when it comes to this okay this. so nothing you've given is either what do you mean okay I, I literally told you I literally laid out for you. The Old Testament is all about the law. It's all about the commandments that God gave. God does not change his mind. He's not a man that sure. changes his mind. Okay, so where's where the fulfillment of that? Where are the 12 tribes of Israel? Where is kingdom on, where's, where's the kingdom of heaven on earth? Where is the Messiah beating the Romans? Where is the law being fulfilled? Instead, wait, you have, wait, wait. Instead of a new church, let's say you can eat what you want. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Who cares? Who cares about the high priests? Who cares about the the, the sons of Zadok, the Sadducees? We do have high well. priests. We do have prophetic priests. Instead, your your New Testament, by the way, which claims that Jesus is a from the line of Melchizedek with the order of Melchizedek, which literally meant which literally means Sadducees. Sadducees is for Zadok, sons of Zadok. So you're taking the the what the Old Testament is saying that the sons of Zadok, who are the Levites, are the chosen tribe. Who have the, who are the ones, the only ones that mess with the temple, the only ones that de- burn the incense, the only ones that are going to the and then you're saying 
hold on, let me finish this. And then you're saying, forget all that. Just ignore all that stuff. It means nothing now. It's all about the Messiah, who, by the way, was never supposed to be God himself. Messiah means anointed. He's God's anointed. He's God's chosen one. He's not God. So this eternal logos thing, why didn't anyone get the memo about that? Why didn't, Mo, why didn't Moses get told, by the way, the, my son, the eternal logos, you need to tell Israel about him because he's coming one day. Get everybody ready. Prepare for the Lord. Because so, Moses was a needed to know basis, so, and he didn't need to know. More importantly, so That's logical. But wait, you're saying that every prophet should have foretold knowledge of every future prophet? Why? No, I'm saying when Moses was given the law, when he was giving the commandments. For them. there He should know that this is all about the Messiah. It's not about the law. The New Testament is saying forget about the law. The law is corruptible. The law is dumb. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about the blood of Jesus. There's a, that's illogical because they, they, they contradict each other. You can't have both. It's either, it's either the law is perfect. Or Jesus is perfect. One or the other. Well, well King and Kathy, you respond to that, and then I have something. Yeah, so... So the answer about... So the answer of, um, you know, Israel not continuing or the kingdom of God not coming is something that's not true by our light. As I've explained, if you read Paul carefully, um, sacrifices are ongoing, and we still have a priest. The sacrifice is called the Mass. And the high priest is called the Pope, right? But it's not on the Sabbath. The profane the Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments. Let me finish. Right. I've explained to you that the Ten Commandments we keep aren't for the Torah, but for their relevance to the natural law. That's what's argued by Dan Scotus, as I've already explained to you, right? That's the point. So as far as natural law goes, this Sunday replacing Sabbath is not a problem. Well, what's the problem there? I mean, it's the new Sabbath, right? What's wrong with a new Sabbath and a new Israel? Not, not, nothing has been given here. Other than the fact um, that you know, old um, older Jews didn't do it. Well, we do it uh, things the new way. That's why we have the New Testament, right? So I haven't seen anything in response to this that Israel continues, and continual sacrifices continue. It's that instead mm -hmm. of a lamb, it's the eternal lamb that's being represented in the sacrifice of the mass. But uh, but but does that and mean though? Oh, sorry. Go, go on. I wasn't done, right? So no engagement is done here with the new Israel thing of Paul. Nothing. It's just, you know, annoying. And I'm going to say again, we are, I don't know, one hour or so, and I'm waiting to hear what the inference is. And I haven't gotten it. I've just gotten a bunch of nothing. Just why? No, but why just, just to be clear, just rewinding a little bit back when you, when uh, Neil was talking about how, how could God change his mind? What ended up happening with the promise, the covenant with Abraham for these specific things to be set in motion? Are we then saying that God uh, lied to Abraham if he knew that the covenant was going to be broken? Then when covenant he said that this is the way it's done. Covenant is not broken. Abraham's children continue to be blessed. Do you, do you follow the Sabbath? Uh, I follow the real Sabbath, yeah. The Sabbath means Saturday. That's what the word Sabbath means. So to answer Lev, uh, the question was, uh, the answer is that the promise to Abraham isn't broken. Abraham's seed continues to thrive. The Abraham's seed, though, is the real new Israel, which is the Christian church. That's the point that Paul well, is if you're talking about that being part of the promise, the other part of the promise, from what I understand, would be Saturday being the Sabbath day. Right? That was something it that uh, literally is the God Sabbath, told. The day of the yeah. Week. That was something that was established back then. So if that was established by God back then, that meant that he 
would have uh, that he lied that that is not the Sabbath that was a temporary Sabbath. So, Why that doesn't make that much sense? Here we go. Why would there be Ezekiel, a, yeah. Ezekiel twenty twenty? Keep my Sabbath holy that they may be a sign between us that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Does that say change my Sabbath to Sunday? Does it say that? Oh, the the That's quit. why it's illogical. That's why I'm right. I can define logic. Illogical. I can define it this way. It's illogical. Let me hit you with some logic. Well, nobody, nobody was given the memo that this all is going to change when the Messiah comes. Okay, so let I, me I add, okay, respond the, to this, King Cap. I'm going to have something. Right. So the issue of Sabbath is there is an underlying message of the Sabbath, and then there is the day. The underlying message uh, stays, and the day changes, right? I mean, and the other point is that um, I don't understand what the big issue is. I mean, Christians value Saturday as much. The point is we don't keep the Torah, and we don't have to keep the Torah because we are Christians. We keep the spiritual Torah, right? We don't mm. have to keep the literal Torah because th th that's not necessary for us. Now, when you're saying nobody was given the memo, yes, they were given the memo. Uh, his name is Paul. That's a giant memo, by the way. No. Seven authentic memos, according to scholars. But you don't want to accept those memos. You just define it. I wasn't done. So you define memos in such a way that they can't even be given. So that's just nonsense, right? No, because it's clearly Leviticus, Numbers, all these books, Deuteronomy. The the any any message given by God would be given to a Levite priest, not to some random guy in Tarsus who's writing in Greek. Yeah, so we we have priesthood. We still have priests. But a Levite priest never got the message that Jesus the Messiah is coming. They should have. If you're if yeah, you're a well, logical God, wants but, to make but, your but, message. No, no, but that's the point. But the point is universal salvation. Why would? Some a member of the priest class be receiving it as opposed to any other layperson. There's examples in the Old Testament of people getting salvation without having to ask Jesus. I for think, it. but I think Neil, what Manesha, I wanted to say, King Manasseh was the worst. Oh, yeah, let's let Geo go. Geo, I know you had the a. Yeah. The problem is, I think that you can only define Christianity as illogical based on this reification of the older Jewish view that it could only fulfill the covenant for. The Israelites. Would it not logically make sense that the truth of our Lord shall be spread to all men and all women? I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. Is, isn't it true <laughs> that it necessitated a universal message of salvation as opposed to just being butthurt over the oh well I guess we're not the chosen people anymore? Like that's my point. I think that the universality of the message of God necessitates that shift. Wouldn't that define illogical when you have the chosen people who become not the chosen people anymore? That's illogical. But Would... they were only temporarily supposed to be the chosen people. They were a foil for something greater than themselves. No, so that doesn't sound logical. The Israelites are still the chosen people. Other people well. <laughs> the Israelites are the chosen people, right? Right. The Israelites are. Living I wasn't done. The question is, what is Israel? Right, and the answer in the Old Testament would def would be, I guess, less inclusive than the answer is in the New Testament. But that doesn't change the fact that Israel is still the chosen nation. Right, I am of the seed of Israel because I'm of the seed of Abraham in Christ. That's the point of Paul. That's the point Paul is making in Romans and in Galatians. Right, if you were able to read this and do systematic theology, I, you would know. And you can always ask me for help, Neil. I'm happy to help okay, you well, out. Let me ask you this. Did, did the Mormons have did the Mormons have the new covenant? Are they right? Are they right or wrong? Of course not. Okay, yeah. so so uh, to quote, I just uh, uh, Melody in the chat made a good point. God created Mormons so that Christ, Christians can know how Jews feel. 
It's the same thing. You just say you could just say I gotta I gotta listen, listen. God. If Tovia didn't exist, then Paul would have a need to invent Tovia. He is every single Paul Paul listen, stereotype. I hate to say it. The reason why I'm saying that is not to be funny is because it actually is something profound. No, it's not. There's a certain way that God not gives all. commandments. Not at all. You just give it to so, anybody having so a dream. Christianity evolved from a Jewish milieu. Everybody in Christianity was a Jew in line with the Torah and interpreting. Nothing like that can in principle be said about Mormonism. By the way, I am friends with Mr. Tovia Singer. And that's not my saying. Tovia considers me a friend. We've spoken yeah. multiple times and I've hosted him on my channel many times. Well, a couple of times on Discord and on here. And I'm very respectful, but I explained to Tobia that what he preaches is not the same as the Ju Judaism of the Second Temple. Rabbinic Judaism is not the Second Temple. So this idea, th that is absolutely true. But, but Nothing, okay, I, I agree with that. I, was, I wasn't done. I wasn't done. I wasn't done. So this idea that, you know, Jews were Judaism that Tobia and others preach is a modern invention, a Jewish invention. Yeah. Second Temple Jew would not have recognized Tobia's uh, Judaism. And they would not have recognized the Messiah as Jesus either. Well, I mean, well, I mean, that's they kind would of obvious. Be, they but... would be even worse. They're following the Torah. They're all that's all they're doing is following the Torah. They're not doing any any dialogue like in the, you see in the Talmud where they d argue over things. No, they're just saying, "What does the Torah say?" That's what we do. We don't do anything else. We're never straying from the law. Period. I Which, should cool it with mm. the anti-Semitic remarks. But then uh, <laughs> I was just watching some American Psycho clips yesterday. But anyway, when it comes to the Saturday question, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But just so I understand, Canadian Catholic's version of this is that God would be able to have the same Sabbath but be able to switch the days. Is there anything Gnostic in the Torah and the Bible that prevents that switching from occurring? Well, yeah. There's multiple times telling everybody to keep my Sabbath holy. No, but my Sabbath well, could be switched to yeah, a different that, day, that is, could it? Could no, not? Sabbath is the seventh day, the seventh day of the week. It doesn't change to another day. You can't. Why? Why, why not? Why can't because it be changed? The seventh day is the seventh day. It's like that's basic math. Seven Wait, you're talking about the word Sabbath. The word Sabbath means seven. Yes. The Canadian Catholic. Does the word Shabbat. Sabbath mean seven? Sabbath. I know how to. I can speak a little bit of Hebrew. Shabbat is seven. Sabbath. Seventh. The seventh. We, all right. Can we agree on that? Then se uh, Sabbath is seven. Do yeah. we agree on that, that's Canadian really Catholic? No, I need Canadian Catholics' agreement on this. Do you agree on that? He disagrees. No, that's not true. The word Shab Shabbat uh, uh, comes from Hebrew. As far as I understand it, it means rest, not anything to do with the seventh. Sheva is seven. So if you say Shabbat, Shabbat, seventh day. Yeah, it's a day of rest, too. That's what the definition of the Sabbath is. But it's based off the seventh day, the word Sheba. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. Oh, looking at Wikipedia, I, look I can look up what the word seven is in Hebrew. Okay, so the word Shabbat comes from rest or ceasing from work. Yeah, that's, that's what it is now. So that's what the seventh day is. So but how is this this proof of Christianity? No, well, I don't know. I don't know why you're drilling on this. The Sabbath is the seventh day. It's, everyone knows that. So let's see. I over here. I, I, I again. I think. Okay, I think uh, the problem the, yeah. is that we're, we're getting in the weeds and we're not really I, I talking yeah. specifically. No, well, he, here's an important point, though. The truth of seven, proper. Here's an important point, though. Seven means completeness, as in the seventh day that God finished uh, what, he, what he started. So that makes sense in terms of the grand narrative of God finishing everything on the seventh, seventh day resting, thus people also rest on the seventh day. So Canadian Catholic, wouldn't that mean that Christianity is diverting away from this very universal, from Genesis 
no. idea. Not at all. Um, the, the answer is uh, that, um, okay, so the answer is that uh, the Sabbath, um, as it was understood by the Jews, isn't something that we need to keep because it's part of the Torah. What we have to observe is the natural law implications of setting aside one day, which we do. Um, okay, well, I mean, I understand that Neil isn't willing to deal with systematic theology, and that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to accommodate that. The point is that if you want education and systematic theology, I'm happy to provide that. But that's not what we're arguing here. We're not arguing let's educate Neil in systematic theology. That's not what we're arguing. System, the point, the whole point of systematic theology is to make your church or your denomination correct and to sort of sort Dig of. It, Chad, yes. You need education on what systematic theology means. I don't. Okay? You're finding out so many things you need education in. So maybe instead of a debate, what you need is a class. You could have asked. Oh, hold on, Canadian Catholic, you're straying oh away God. from the original question of uh, the seventh okay, day here. Okay. No, 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 need... Gio. I need to get back to the seventh day oh, question oh. here. No, no, I it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I, it How is, is not irrelevant? irrelevant? How is it relevant to the logic of Christianity? Love? Tell me right now, please. Okay. Why are was... we? Okay, why are I'll, we hanging up on this minutia of the seventh day? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because there is this grand narrative of the creation of the world that God rests on the seventh day. Right. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Christians are uh, you know doing it on the on the first day of the week on Sunday. That doesn't make sense. Blood and eating flesh. Well, hold on. We're gonna get to the blood and the flesh later. But specifically oh, about hold on, hold on, hold on. Specifically talking about oh. the seventh day. The reason why I don't want to stray is Canadian Catholic. I thought that you were going to answer why exactly it makes sense for the christians not to keep this within the grand narrative of genesis and go to sunday as opposed to uh saturday because uh, that's for the yeah. thousandth time because the i will explain for the thousandth time because the sabbath is kept by jews as part of the torah we're not obligated by the torah we are uh, obligated of course to uh, obey the natural law aspects of the torah so as far as it is in keeping up with the natural law, we will keep that. But as I've explained that, we are the new Israel. We don't have to go back to the old law. Okay, but don't call it Sabbath then, right? And then, so the Mormons would say, we're the new whatever. And then, are they right? No, can, can we just agree that it's wrong to call it the yeah, Sabbath? Yeah, you could say that the Branch Davidians were right. You could right. pick any... Brand, throw, no, wait, no, 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 hold on. I just want to make. I just want to be clear. I'm not disagreeing with Canadian Catholic. I'm just want to make sure. By the way, would the, that the not mean? Are right about the U.S. government, by the way. But yes. Would that would that not mean? <laughs> would that not mean that we should not call it a Sabbath if it's not on the seventh day? Can we just stop calling it the Sabbath then? Can we call it something else? Sabbath. Call what Sabbath? The uh, day of yeah Sunday, the day of rest nobody for the Christians. Called, so nobody calls Sunday Sabbath. No yeah, one does. I was just gonna say that. Okay, there we go. Just, just making sure. So that's so that we spent half an hour on an argument that doesn't pertain to the actual truth of Christianity. No, it does pertain to it because if we're still well, talking about well, choosing a day for resting, I, I would say we spent the whole show. I would say we spent the whole show with Neil just wanting a little bit of education on tough topics on systematic theology. So no. I agree. With <laughs> No, your systematic theology. Listen, I'm laughing because Neil is my friend, but when you say it, it pisses him off so much. Well, because because when you say systematic theology, you're starting. You're starting. It's almost like begging the question because you're starting at an illogical place, saying that Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. Therefore, here's my systematic theology. But I'm saying to even get there is an illogical. I never said anything like that. 
And by the way, we're one hour in, and you keep saying the logical. I've been asking for an argument, and your point is, I it's gave a it to you. It's just not my fault that you. Okay, let me let me press not you, Big King, Kev. Let me press you a little bit. So, um, who is in the chat? Another, another Gnostic informant, Janny. That that. By the way, as much as I appreciate donations, what they um, If we were to release a poll on Twitter, then it'd be a different thing. Uh, anyways. Uh, the fat calf is no arguments other than uh, well, me and me and uh, Josh are both fat cats. Um, <laughs> are no arguments other than it's true because it's true. So, in other words, uh, this whole thing you've sort of hand waved Neil uh, Neil's arguments away by saying that you know he hasn't given you an actual argument. But let's instead switch gears. Well, no, but let's let's instead switch gears and Will say that. agrees that nothing he presented here is an argument. No, I don't. Okay. I told you what the, I told you what the definition of illogical is. I told you why the fulfillment the makes it illogical. Let me okay. Let me just let me just ask then to switch gears. What would you say, Joshua, is the number one solid truth claim of Christianity within the confines of, let's call it logical consistency or rationalism or so forth like from let's say from a natural law perspective what is the number sure one what thing asking. what are you asking i'm asking if we are positing that christianity is indeed logical what is the number one argument in your mind that necessitates the logic of the christian claim of christ as our savior so on and so forth so there is no logical contradiction whatsoever that has been or can be derived as far as I know in any part of the Nazi <laughs> anywhere. Now, of course, Neil made sure to define lo illogical in a different way, which was some nebulous term, and I even went along with that, but nothing came out of it. It was just a bunch of nonsense. So I, okay, I, 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 this would come. I, I predicted that it would be an education session, and I wasn't wrong. Let's, let's, but, let's, okay, let, let's disregard what Neil said. What would you say, okay, give, give a definition of logic in this context of Christianity, then? Well, yeah, so uh, logic is a, I guess, uh, a, a science of proper inference rules and proper reasoning and understanding, and something is logical if it coheres with that. Right. So I don't see why Christianity doesn't cohere with that at all. Well, because here's, here's why. I'll, I'll explain it to you really slowly. The Old Testament. Okay, forget about what happened with Paul in the desert. The Old Testament. I, I can't do this. Hold on, let me finish this. The Old Testament has, says what it says. It's it's prophesizing what it wants to. It has an idea of a Messiah, has an idea of Israel, twelve tribes, heaven, all that stuff given to Moses by God with his own finger on the tablets. And now all of a sudden, you have a New Testament that says something different. That's illogical. It doesn't matter what you think about who's right or who's wrong. The point is that one says one thing and the other says something different, which makes it illogical. That's called pro progress of revelation. It's not illogical. It's called revelation progressing. And you still have to prove that. You still have to show somebody. Now you're committing the taxicab fallacy because. No, it's not. Had, stop. You, you were giving me an internal critique. You're saying that there is something wrong with there being old and then there being new revelation. And then when we went and said that there is nothing internal, you go out of the external point of view and say, well, there is no proof of that. So no, you because you... With, so no, you can't even no, do... No, no, no. I didn't go anywhere outside internal anywhere. critique. You would have to show why that lines up with what is being said in the Old Testament. If the New Testament 
claiming to fill the old. Unless you want to just, unless you want to be like a Gnostic, like like Marcion, and say forget about the Old Testament, let's just do our own thing. Then fine. Then I wouldn't even say Christianity is illogical. It's its own entity at that point. But when you combine the Old Testament with the New, it becomes illogical. Period. But but Christianity kind of is its own entity from Judaism. No, I'm fine with that. But you then you'd have to say that the Old Testament is is not right. You'd have to you have to you would have to admit that there's changes being made, that God changed his mind. But earlier in the stream, Neil, you've pointed to various instances where there are parables, there are stories, there are late motifs right. of within the New Testament that reflect certain elements of the Old Testament. Yeah. Because which, that is the point, in, in at least in Catholicism and in Orthodox. Exactly. Which is why, the which Old is Testament why has to be viewed through the prism of the New Testament. Exactly, which is why... So have- would you not say that there are things in the Old Testament that do logically lead up to themes within the New Testament. No, because you're borrowing, you're taking the new and you're borrowing from the old. The new, but the that's old like, but not. then, no, but then that's saying that anything could be like that in history. Yeah, you can't, you could, you could. And that's why it's so, why that's why it's so tough to figure things Ovid's, out in history. Ovid's metamorphosis is based off Homer and Hesiod's work. He borrowed from that. Homer in, in prophesies that, that Ovid was going to come and write this stuff down. That's the same, it's another example of that. Now, for Christianity, yes, they, they're borrowing concepts from the Old Testament. But I'm saying you have one also, standard of truth for Christianity and another standard of truth for every other mythologized account of history. No, I don't, because I, I'm, the point is, the point I'm making is, why would Christianity be the, the truth of all of, of theology, of, of believers, if it's illogical? It's just like all the other ones I'm saying. I'm putting, but, I'm but, saying no, but wait, on one hand, you're saying that there is elements of the New Testament from that takes or borrows from the old Testament. Right. But you're saying that instead, that is the view instead of saying that, well, maybe that there are elements within the old Testament that prophesied future events within the new Testament. Well, it's easier to write something down based on something that exists than prophesy something. Right. But here's what I'm here. But then you're predicated. But then again, this is my point. You're reifying the truth of the old Testament in order to own the Christians. I like this question. Let me, let me get to this. Right. So what you just said is all true. The New Testament is taking compasses from the old and it's borrowing them and it's making the new, it's, it's re repurposing them for Jesus. But, or what that does actually, not I didn't say, I want to say, but yet what that does is now you cannot escape the fact that the New Testament has to be, is, is, is based on the truth of the old Testament. It has to fulfill the old Testament. So therefore, if it's claiming to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament, it has to do that. But when it fails to do that in certain aspects, it makes it illogical, which is the law. But when something is fulfilled, it reneges on its use. That is the claim. It's saying that those old laws are not useful anymore because the New Testament in Christ fulfilled those covenants. Not when you have God himself in his own words saying, keep my laws and my commandments, they're perfect. But those laws changed. That makes it illogical. But you're ascribing human causality to God. <laughs> I don't no, but then it. if we're clear again, I'm, I may be repeating myself here, but if we're but clear, those that means... laws within the New Testament that God supposedly changed, but he actually, maybe it's, I know it's difficult to believe, but maybe he kind of prophesied it beforehand. So he's, you're saying so that he those the laws have more of a veracity than the parochial little Israeli tribal bullshit. That was in the Old Testament. But then, Gio, the you're saying that God tricked the Jews. Is that right? 
to fulfill the purpose maybe i don't know maybe you guys got tricked who knows no he didn't trick them it's it's that the progression of the old testament to the new does make sense it's just that you're complicating no, but if, it if he knew what was going to happen then he told uh one thing to abraham because those laws maybe they were useful for a time but they no longer became useful in terms of bringing the chosen in terms of bringing that truth to a broader audience of all of humanity why couldn't he keep it on the sunday then just to so, keep it consistent <laughs> i'm saying that there is always going to be translation issues but to say that that that's the that's the message of christianity proper is that the unit truth has to be brought to every single man and you can't do that you know what i mean like that's to, well oh I, I, my brain's broken i have to talk about dark maga soon so uh in in a twitter space that i'm gonna record yeah what is but, this um, dark dark maga i keep hearing about I don't know. I don't, it's my what well, my friend Conan came up with. But no, but would you agree, Canadian Catholic, that the universalism of Christianity necessitates um, a sort of changing of the guard when it came comes to certain laws? So uh, I think you we're granting way too much to Neil here. Um, Neil hasn't demonstrated what's logical about a progressive revelation at all. I mean, nothing. Uh, it, all we got is just his assertion that. When he says, "I don't change my mind," and he says, "God doesn't change his mind. Keep my commandments. They're perfect." That's just begging the question. That's just begging the question because if God always intended to bring on the New Testament, then He never changed His mind. He could have only changed His mind if He never intended to bring the New Testament, which of course isn't the case. So you're 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 stuck oh, here. It's actually you begging the question by saying that the, the New Testament is true because it says it is. You're saying you're saying you're saying you're going from internal critique to external critique, right? No, and you're saying you're you just said. That the progressive revelation is fine because the New Testament said so. I didn't say it was fine. I asked you, what's the problem with it? It's a lot It means God changes his mind, and he says he doesn't. But, God can only, but progressive revelation can only be a change of mind if God never, if God didn't always intend to bring it about. Do you have an argument to say that God didn't always intend what to bring it about? Said, literally, it's illogical. Literally, I don't know what to say. All right, the blood thing, and then I think we're going to be wrapping it up soon, uh, going into the Super Chats, which okay. you guys have to need more of. And once again, if you're enjoying this, subscribe and press the like button. Listen, like button is very important. If you press the like button, it's going to help out the algorithm tremendously, I guarantee it. So do that right now. Press the like button, and also patreon.com slash break the rules, become a patron. Anyway, the blood and guts and whatever. Okay, Gnostic And this is, to someone in the chat, this is the same trick problem that every fedora since the time of Epicurus, since the time of Richard Dawkins, comes up with. Which is, oh my god, you mean to tell me that me ascribing my super limited human cognition and thought process onto the Lord, that God changed his mind? Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> I, I just, I really don't get this no, sort it's of... Because, it's because he says that he doesn't change his mind. If he didn't say that, then I wouldn't have an argument. Wait, can we agree that God said that he cannot change his mind? Canadian Catholic, can we agree on that or no? Uh, God doesn't change his mind. It's not only that he said that, but that's an objective fact, yeah. Okay, so then he lied to... And I know I keep bringing it up, but what else is there? If he didn't lie, what else would it be? I'm, I'm going to explain it one more time, and I'm going to be real slow this time. And if you guys Thank don't you. get it, that's fine. Okay, I'm Thank gonna, you. I, 
I'm going to try this one more time, okay? I've changed my mind if I wasn't always intending to advance something, right? So let me bring an example, right? I'm playing chess. I go from move 10 to move 40, okay? Now, there can only be a change of mind if I was not always intending to play the same thing at move 40. That's my point. My point is that God always knew that there would be a New Testament. So there was never a change of mind. A change of mind would have occurred if God's initial thought was there won't be a New Testament. And voila, there comes the New Testament. Why do you tell Moses that then? That's an external. Okay. So now we're jumping. The first one was that there's internal critique. And now we're going back to an external critique, which is fine. It's not fine because you're completely confused about how to argue. Are you letting go of this point? That God changed his mind? Are we supposed to jump around? Mm. You made this big deal, and now you're no. abandoning this? No, my, my oh. question about God changing his mind may be different from Neil's. So mine has to specifically do with whether there was something written in the Torah that said that this piece right here, this what I'm saying, is to be kept eternally just the way it is. Uh, is there anything? Yes. Yeah. So there are statements about how um, God's law is to be eternally kept with Israel. Um, Israel didn't keep that law. Israel uh, was unable to keep those laws as it stands. And God, saying that you should have done this, they failed. That was Israel's failure, not God's. Um, introduces the new Torah, the real Torah, the spiritual Torah, and it gives them unto the people. There's no changing of mind. So, what, so was it then implied in the beginning that this law is only going to be universal if you're able to keep it? And the moment that it you're not able universal. to... No, 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 it wasn't universal. It's pretty clear that this Wait, law no, not universal. By universal, sorry. By universal, I mean uh, this is going to be forever. Like, this law is going to remain in place for good. Can we agree on that? Uh, yes, and it is. So, so the... It's not about the law. The statement is that the covenant would always remain with the nation of Israel. Is The covenant would perpetually remain with Israel. And it does remain to this day with Israel, which is why the Christian church is the new Israel, according to Galatians. The covenant, but what about the commandments? Would the commandments be in the same category of things that shall be kept forever and ever in this particular way? So, so the commandments are to be kept forever and ever. How do, you, how do you go from the Levites being the only one that's allowed to deal with the temple to being the Catholic Church and anybody, anybody can now join? Where, where does that happen? Where, where does that so, decree happen? So you can read Galatians. I, I can help you out. Galatians yeah, that's begging the question. The New Testament said so. Well, well, if you're going to disregard the New Testament, then it's like there's literally an impossible barrier. No, no, I just, I just want to make sure that the point that I made is uh, kind of hammered out to the end here. So, Canadian Catholic, you were saying before that when it comes to the laws, the commandments, these are to be kept forever or no? And if no, why not? So, the covenant is to be kept... No, okay, but I'm not talking about the covenant. I'm specifically talking about all these commandments. I don't remember, like 360, whatever. How, however many commandments the Jews have to abide no, by. No, no, the Jews, the Jews were given certain commandments. Yes, and the indication isn't that all of them are to be kept at all times in the same way. No, the indication is that the covenant will last forever, and it does with Israel. Forever. But why not the commandments? Where is the indication that those will go away the moment that uh, you know some switch up happens? Uh, they haven't gone away. The point is that they are not obligatory to be saved. Um, you can, for example, um, I guess if, if you, well, I mean, you can't keep the law. But was it specified in the Old Testament that these commandments that you have to follow, that was it, was it saying specifically that these commandments um, 
are going to remain with Israel forever or not? That, no, no, the Old Testament says the opposite. The Old Testament says that the day is coming, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the... the that was when they were in Babylon and they had to re restore a second temple. That's the context of that. That's what that means. Yeah, sure. So the, the Old Testament, in fact, teaches sure. the, the opposite. Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah. He's the one who wrote who wrote the... Um, the lamentations. So he's taught. It's this is all in the same context. They're in they're kept. They're in captivity, and he's making a new covenant, which is the Second Temple of Judaism. Yeah, it's not changing the laws. It's making a new covenant with the new going back to Israel. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, I mean, what I've said. Yeah. All right. So before we get to the final thing, you which is about yes. which is about the blood, I want to point out something very interesting in the configuration of this box over here that we're in. So number one, I am wearing a white shirt, and Canadian Catholic is wearing a white shirt. Uh, Geo and Gnostic are wearing darker colors, while at the same time, Gnostic and I have a similar style with the beards going on and the headphones. I mean, Geo's got the headphones too, so that doesn't count. But Geo and Canadian Catholic—they're both Canadian and they're both Catholic, and they're both with Montreal. Yet I'm wearing the white shirt here and they're wearing the dark colors and the hats geo's wearing a hat and gnostics wearing a hat so there's all kinds of very interesting configurations going on based on the way the street under gnostics hat <laughs> i wonder we're gonna see some norwood <laughs> well you guys should take your hats off at the same time and once again what is Everyone, under geo's what is two. under geo's hat oh shit i don't have something under my hat ah oh, this okay oh. next time all right anyway uh the blood question and then we're going to draw this to a close with the super chats so Gnostic informant blood question go oh okay so I mean you just gotta look up Deuteronomy that's where the law is it says do not eat the blood pour or you have to pour the blood on the ground like water which is what you do for a sin offering so why would you imitate the sin offering by drinking its blood why would you that sounds like the most opposite thing you can do from what God literally told the Moses and the Israelites to do that's all I mean that's Great. Um, so this goes back to uh, so me and Robert Price actually did a great show about this before. Um, this goes back to the question of um, binding and loosing, I guess, uh, that rabbis could do, what they could bind and what they could lose, what new uh, declarations they could. And the answer is that the new declaration that comes from the New Testament is that now we can um, make all things clean. God has made all things clean. That's the new declaration. Uh, before they weren't, and now you're bound by it. And we're bound to affirm that, you know, um, currently all things are clean. All food uh, has been declared clean. Um, not in the sense that all, all no food has bacteria in it, but in the sense that none of them offends God. And that's the ruling. That ruling sticks when uh, Peter is shown, um, you know, the vision. Uh, well, actually, the vision is symbolic, uh, but Christ declares all food clean, and I think it's in Mark or Matthew. So what you're um, and that sticks, and that sticks. That that's the sure. new rabbinic ruling. That fine, you know. Fine. But check this out, right? I'm a Jew living in Israel. I'm a Sadducees, right? First century Jew living in Israel, and I have on one hand Moses getting told directly from God, face to face, on what to do about this, and then I have on the other hand some guy named Peter who gets a vision and a dream from Jesus. No, it's actually Jesus. Jesus is the one who declares all things clean. That's what I'm saying. He gets a vision from Jesus, which well, is not actually, that way. You know, the vision. So actually, what, what, I'm just just hear me out though. Which what do you do? You're told to follow the law and never stray from the law. All of a sudden, you have this guy saying, "I had a vision from Jesus. He said he could eat what you want now." 
On the other hand, you have Moses who gets a word directly from God. That, I mean, you're wrong. So the one who makes how am I wrong? You're wrong because you're saying that it was Peter who made um, who declared that Peter's the, the one who had the vision. The cleanness of food was declared before the vision. It was declared by Jesus in Matthew or Mark when he declares food's clean. Um, when he talks about the hand washing ritual, no, Peter's that's not, vision, that's not what that meant. That he he still he said Peter's Peter's vision Peter's vision was more about. Um, that Gentiles could be saved, which is another uh, example of a declaration. But the more important point is here, um, well, who are you supposed to trust? Well, you're supposed to trust both. You're supposed to trust that this is the commandment that God gave to Moses at that time. And um, we have a new binding. Uh, we have a new binding teaching in Jesus and Peter, if you want. And that sticks. So you're, sticks. you're saying that Jesus eating bread with unwashed hands means you can eat whatever you want. No, in that same chapter, it says that Having said that, he declared all food clean. Write that. Write that in quotations, and it'll give you the chapter. He declared all food clean. He says, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. You have a fine way of setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. So, again, this would be, this. This would. we're, we're just going over, this is like a circle. This is the same argument. It's how do you, how do you go from Food being unclean, having laws, the Torah, which is perfect, to, yeah, it's all fine now. That's that's the whole, that's my entire argument. Because Mark 7.19 says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So a new rabbi says that this no longer applies. Yeah, and well, the new rabbi, well, the how, new is rabbi that, how is that, like, valid, though, compared to what the Old Testament is? Why? why is so I've explained. I've asked you what's wrong with progressive revelation, and your answer. Your answer is how is it valid? I'm just getting tired here, right? No, I know how it's is, the same argument. Why I just said that. What is same. wrong with progressive revelation? What is wrong with it? Tell me what's wrong with it it's right logical, now. What's because logical? it's illogical when God says He doesn't change His mind. I said this a million times. When God says God, God says keep my laws and my commandments, they're perfect. I don't change my mind. But you don't understand God only changes his mind if the progressive revelation wasn't part of his mind to begin with. If it was, then he didn't change it. Is this hard to grasp? No, it's it's not, but it doesn't well, well, Michael has a great point here. Thing. Why do you keep repeating the same thing when you've been explained? Because you're I educated you on this topic. No, you say no, thank you, teacher. You don't have anything I've stayed completely clear on everything. All you're All doing you're and Lev, I'm I gotta point this out. You're taking another example, and we're arguing over the same thing. We've—I mean, we've already established that. Yes, because you I'm haven't saying, answered saying, what is logical about progressive I'm revelation. I'm saying that what's God, logical about progressive revelation? Because when God says, "I don't change my mind, keep my laws, my commandments," progressive revelation doesn't make sense anymore. It means so, so wait, wait Michael, Michael in the chat says from Matthew fifteen seventeen. Do, don't you see that whenever it enters for the mouth goes into the stomach and that out of the body, but things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and these make a man unclean. Well, so Matt, clearly so there is a changing there of a strict dietary law to the message of Christ. It is what makes you unclean in your thoughts and actions, which is really matters. That is well, the spirit of the law. Imagine Not if there like, was, okay, well, imagine if there was this uh, Twitch streamer lady who has a lot of simps and she's all like, keep sending me all this money you pay pigs. Amaranth? 
Yes, and then and then all of a sudden one day she decides to you know scorn these simps and you know say like oh these men are so sexist and you know they do that whatever. all the time. Look at fucking what's her face. Exactly. No, but my fucking, example uh, here. The 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 mid one. The mid yeah, one. Yes, um, but my example here is I that can't in believe her. Forget her name. Pokimane. Pokimane. So she fucking detests her own fans. Yes. Yeah, so what are you talking about, in Pokimane's eternal wisdom, she knew ahead of time that she was going to be very, uh, you know, be very demeaning towards the people that she once considered to be her sustenance, the pay piggies. And would you say there's a similar thing going on here with God? How is that logically contradictory? Every fucking Twitch thought hates their pay piggies. What yeah, but what, no, but what I'm saying is that from the very beginning, like, let's say from the very beginning, she knew that this is what's going to happen. And she yeah. put on airs for the pay piggies. And yes. later on, she started to denounce the pay piggies. Would it be a similar thing happening with Christianity and God? Where in the beginning, God was, I mean, that was Canadian Catholic's point, if I understand it correctly. That in the beginning, God was like, oh, yeah, sure, Abraham. Yeah, we're going to do a covenant. It's going to be great. Nothing will go, you know, like, it's going to, you know, keep the covenant forever and ever and ever. It's like, whoops. Oh, turns out that you weren't doing things exactly the way i wanted you to do them uh, you know fuck you now th these are the new uh are the but, new israelites but, but here's the reason why it's illogical what was the reason why yahweh told moses not to eat shellfish can you give me a reason why what what's the truth behind that that has nothing to do with illogicality but, but you're saying progressive revelation you're saying he changes his mind later on for whatever reason. What's the reason for the to begin with? When it should, if he knows all things and he knows the future, he's perfect, omniscient, all knowing. Why didn't he just say from the beginning that whatever goes in the whatever goes in is not what defiles the man, what comes out of it defiles man? Why didn't he tell Moses that? So there's a bunch of. I mean, I'm not studying on the topic, but if I had to guess, there's a good reason for why maybe what one possible reason is that um, there's something some kind of pagan connotation to these foods. Um, the other point that I I could think of if I were asked this maybe some health or the beliefs about health I, I don't know personally if um, exactly and what is illogical about that because when you say one thing and then completely flip it on its head that's what illogical is so you, you, that, you, this you, is you, this is a very say, Richard Dawkins say, shellfish you, argument you, mm. I'm just asking what was the reason for it what was the reason for it. When you know that Jesus, I'm sure. I'm sure the dietary laws were originally grounded in some logic in terms of the sure. certain pathogens that were going around at the time, or something but of that I, nature. I he created it. He created all that stuff. He's the creator of the world, right? Why even make shellfish then? Why even? What is what is bad? <laughs> what happened to good people? I can't believe it. Why, why God? Why? Why did he just say right then? Neil, Neil. Why did he just tell Moses? Hey Moses, it's not what goes in your body; it's what comes out. Keep it that he way. Did, no, but he he did say that to Moses. <laughs> but what do you think the what do you think the commandments are about? The what? What do you think the commandments are about? There are they not for proper action and behavior as well? Yeah. So mm. the truth of what comes out of a man's mouth is more important. That is a very deep theological mm. distinction. That is saying right. that. It is what your thoughts and actions and behavior is. It is what you speak, the truth that you speak of the Lord that counts. Well, that to, is what really to counts. Be, uh, to, you don't to eat be, shellfish. I mean, be, maybe uh, yeah. the truth of not eating shellfish is maybe that there were contaminants or so forth. There's a, like, the historical reasons why people didn't eat shellfish or the cut. Or, you know, or, uh, or the mixing of uh, like a fish. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. That's This is what but, I mean is that 
you know, and you say, oh, why did God create those pathogens? Well, that would mean that we exist in a perfect world without disease and so forth. Maybe those pathogens had a purpose in terms of the evolution of the world at one point. That is why they are there. Mosquitoes have a reason. <laughs> flies have a reason. I fucking hate flies and mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, but especially like the black I mean? flies like, in Canada, right? There's a purpose to things. Why, why does deadly diseases exist out in nature? There's at least 50 different substances in the rainforest that can give you cancer. Well, yeah. maybe because of the function of those particular fauna needs those pathogens that may be harmful to humans, but they're not harmful to a certain tree on the Amazon. Or, so I'm saying this but whole, they would have like, still been Richard Dawkins tier bullshit about why do bad things happen to good people? Why do natural disasters happen? Or there's a reason what? why they happen. There's uh, anyways. I'm sorry, Neil. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that you're saying this. I'm just saying that when I, I get no, no. I'm just saying that when the argument comes up, I'm like I, I get really fucked over by it because it's like. Fine. You know what I mean? No, but I think, uh, Neil, you were making a different <laughs> argument about the shellfish. Not so much about the Richard Dawkins stuff, oh, but more man. about how exactly would it translate that this dietary restriction was lifted. If it is for health reasons, wouldn't it make sense for that uh, to still uh, be kept going? It's not like the. It's not like there was some industrial revolution during that time oh, look at that this. ended up uh, I'm laughing. cleaning... Dunning-Kruger... <laughs> Well, no, listen, in, all, in all seriousness, listen, like, there, there wasn't I'm any... I'm speculating. Ch- the cancer-causing agents in the Amazon, they actually do have benefits to certain plants and animal life that are harmful to humans. Do you not say that certain things in nature are harmful to other species and beneficial to others? I mean, that's just... I mean, I don't get what I'm speculating I mean, there. That makes more sense when you talk about natural selection, so... Yeah, I don't think that natural selection has anything contradictory to do with uh, the truth of Christ. I mean... If you want to go to some, you know, Bible thumping creationist stuff, I mean, that's no, I'm I'm beyond that. I'm I'm like full, I'm like full Rudolf Steiner about the whole uh, creation stuff. All right, so you know, I'm just gonna say, I think you guys know where I stand. My argument applies to all these different areas of the Bible. I mean, if you want to get the last word, go ahead. I won't even reply. And then super chats. Yeah. Sorry, I went off a little bit there. Wait, was, was I? <laughs> no. Was was I, I, if you want, if you want, if you want to say anything and f- finish off, I'm, I okay. Have the let out let there. me clarify something. There are many Christians oh, that don't believe in. Oh, sorry. Who gets the last word? I, I didn't hear it. There are many Christians who don't believe in Evola. Okay, you know oh, Canadian yeah, Catholic. You get the last word. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Right, so my answer is that um, I was well, invited. Fuck, I actually here. have to go. Yeah. Right. So my last word is going to be that I was invited here by Neil who I, I don't have any animosity against, to uh, debate whether Christianity is logical. And my point is that Neil seems to have a lot of anger directed towards the Bible or maybe Christianity, which is totally understandable, but he has utterly failed to demonstrate any kind of a logicality. All of his views... The point of the last word is that I'm the last one that gets to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is... The point is so the point is... So the point is, um, I think that it's very clear from this debate that anybody on us needs to say that Neil failed to show that Christianity is illogical. And I think by default, if he failed to show that Christianity is illogical, um, it means that um, he his case failed. I mean, that, that it doesn't mean that Christianity isn't illogical. It just means that he failed to do so, um, demonstrate so. And I would say failed very badly. Um, all of the examples he brought, all of the examples he brought were easily rebutted and rebuttable. And the only reason they weren't rebutted isn't because they were tough. Uh, at least as he presented them, 
Uh, but because I couldn't keep track of all of them, there were just flying so many, I, I just had to, you know, mm. keep track of some of them. So my view is that um, Christianity isn't illogical. My further view is that it wasn't demonstrated that Christianity is illogical. Uh, we didn't see a single argument which wouldn't be a non sequitur uh, from which we could infer that Christianity is illogical. And I, I think that this um, debate has a re- had a resounding victor. It just so happens that that victor was me. Okay, I'm joking. But you, you guys right, get- on, on to the super chats, everybody. All right. So, uh, super, super chat chats from Yakuvi. Yes, Yakuvi. It's Raim. 199. Gnostic destroyed CC. Wow. That's just like your opinion, man. Okay. Yeah. Next one. Ted Francis. 499. I agree that Gnostic won. Oh, man. A lot of These Gnostic fans today. <laughs> Next one, Nick Larson, four ninety nine. Didn't get here in time to have a relevant question or contribute to the discussion, but thanks for the stream, boys. Pumped for the PVK. Oh, that's right. I gotta make an announcement. Break the rules is finally going to have. Well, it's finally gonna have two people. It's gonna have Derek Lambert and it's gonna have Paul Vanderclay talking about epistemology. What can we be certain of? So I think it's going to be pretty similar to what's going down over here today. But I know, Gio, you wanted to have on Paul for a very long time. And we well, got him. Well, he responded him. to our, uh, the, the uh, Paju uh, mm. talk. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, that's right. So uh, there we go. And here, let me just do the final uh, Super Chats over here. I meant to say, by the way, I meant to say evolution. I said that there are Christians that do not believe in evolution. That's fine. I think that... To me, anyways, this is like a long-standing thing that's been going on since I was literally like 13 years old. I read that Francis Collins book. Unfortunately, Collins, he's, you know, cucked out on the the God hair Fauci question. But I Mm. think that there is no um, reasonable contradiction between a theory of macroevolution, at least, and um, the universe being designed by our Lord. I think that, you know, people that put too much stuff... I mean, first of all, I think, like, getting in the weeds of it... I mean, Christianity is just... I, I, I mean, evolution is, like... Evolutionary theory has been contradictory and wrong as well. It's, like... I mean, to me, this just, like, t- 2007, you know, new atheist YouTube st- shit. Yeah. And I think that... No, no, human beings yeah. have existed for billions of years and were beings of light. Anyway, uh, Massive McGee... Oh, uh, yeah, Massive McGee, two pounds... Neil must remove his hat this instant. No. <laughs> All right, next. Dharma Defender to Smackaroos. Translation issues does not equal out-and-out out fraud. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next one, Dharma Defender, $5. All of this is predicated on Jesus' authority. Only of Jesus' God does he have the right to abolish, reinterpret, add to God's law. Well, he is God, so there you go. And he changed his mind then. The ABC. <laughs> the ABC 1-3-4-5-6-3-9-9, at one po- At one point, a father can tell his son not to drink beer, but at a later date, it's okay to have one with him. Progressive revelation. <laughs> Oh, man. Although I like my example with the uh, uh, thought better. But anyway. And the ABC CC1 via BTFO. 
So there we go. That's one for Canadian Catholic. And Canadian Catholic, before before we go, I just want to say, очень приятно было с вами разговаривать. Слава Украине! There we go. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. When this stream is ended, you're going to see a link to the stream with uh, Derek and Paul that's going to be happening this Monday. So be sure to subscribe. And all the people who are watching this, if you have not subscribed right now, please subscribe right now. Give a like. Every like you add is helping with the algorithm tremendously in order to get Break the Rules up there. It is very important that you do that. And last but not least, patreon.com slash break the rules. If you become a patron, you are going to get all kinds of great stuff. MP3s of the episodes after they come out. You are going to get very beautiful magnets when you become a... Oh, one more super chat. Ooh. Uh, this is by Sobek Lord of the Four. CC, what is your who is your favorite heretic? Aris says hi. So, uh, who is your favorite heretic? So, so by heretic, you mean somebody who is declared heretic? That would definitely be origin. Uh, there's no contest in that. I I that. Mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, before we are finished here, I am going to let's see over here. See, this is the problem. I don't actually have the folders in front of me. Okay, now I do. Here we go. Patreon. Patreon promo. There we are. Okay. So you're going to get very beautiful magnets. You see them on the screen over here. These are going to be for $20 tier. Maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry. By the way, some of the people who are requesting the magnets, they are currently being worked on right now. My father is hard at work making these out of really good quality wood. So you're going to get these absolutely beautiful magnets created by my father for the $20 tier. For the $30 tier, you are going to get an exquisite print from Giovanni Panacciati. You could see the you, you could see the man in action over here making this beautiful print from the TFW No GF series on the screen right here, right now. And lastly, but not least, if you are a fan of sticks, for $50 patronage, you are going to get this absolutely beautiful sticks dragon. It's going to be pretty similar to what you see on the screen over here. Or you are going to get a custom magnet. So whatever design magnet you want, that's that's what's going to happen. Also, you are going to get another painting from Gio in a Bob Ross style. And you are going... <laughs> I just imagine Ross right now. You remember that? You remember that, Ross? You know, the bathtub? Okay. <laughs> Mr. Metacore. Mr. Metacore, Ross, the bathtub. You remember that whole... Oh, that the cheese pizza yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yes exactly yeah that guy it's he very... kept screaming his head off yes yeah, guys listen do me a favor after you watch this and after you bookmark the event go to youtube and search ross mega re and just put your headphones on and just listen to that it's going to be one of the most blissful experiences you've ever had in your entire life trust me anyway uh, you're also going to get a uh, warhammer for there's someone figures. on twitter that said to me I hope Lev is on okay terms with Jay Dyer. We'll give $400 to whoever can set up a debate between him and Gnostic Informant. Oh, man. <laughs> Who, me and Lev? Uh, no, uh, Gnostic Informant and Jay and Dyer. Jay Dyer. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. But I, w I would love for you know who to appear there as well, but we'll see what happens. He didn't want to debate um, James Valiant. He backed out of that one. But yes. I'll, I don't care. 
No, I mean, no, Jay, he had something to do. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe he rescheduled that. He was scared. Jay died. I don't think he was scared. scared. No, no. I mean, Jay I could. I could no never rescheduled. No, here's, I can. I, I can just give you. Guy. Hold on, no, no. For everybody watching, for for everybody watching, I don't want to mince any You're words. Just afraid. This is this is a no, 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 no. No, I don't want to miss any mince any words. I could tell you exactly what happened and provide screenshots if necessary. So what ended up happening? Don't do all that. I'm joking. Okay. No, no, no. But in all seriousness, what happened with Jay Dyer for those? who don't know is that uh he said at first that uh he he was interested but then he said that a project came up and he was not able to do that but then upon further inspection when i asked him like hey can we do it like maybe next week or the week after then he said he's not interested and then he announced that he was sick so that was the that, that was how that went down but anyway uh hopefully we're gonna get jay dyer back in here with uh james valiant and uh gnostic so that will be a lot of fun uh the invitation is open whenever anyway this is uh, also jules p hamilton's warhammer 40k figures as well for fifty dollars <laughs> and that's it okay the show's over guys thank you so much for watching be sure to subscribe and also be sure to go to the discord because we got some new people in here that i want to bring into the discord server all the new people get into the discord server right now here is the link and let me send you the patreon link as well for all the people who don't want to type in patreon.com slash break the rules even though that's incredibly easy to write down here we go patreon.com slash break the rules you know what you love it canadian catholic where can the good people find you um you can find me on many places but i think youtube is probably the hottest one right now uh for me uh you definitely want to go and subscribe to me because i am in uh kind of a need of expansion now uh my podcast has been one of the best it's internationally well according to me it's internationally <laughs> it's internationally praised you guys can see some of the um you know feedback i've gotten but basically world's greatest minds i've had noam chomsky you know just go yeah. over the list so i mean it really would help guys if we could do more um we need um more subscribers and uh, more engagement so if you guys can do that uh you know even subscribing and liking videos helps uh, but uh, thanks for everything, Kip, by the way, to all of you. Um, you had Noam Chomsky on? Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. And you had, what's his name, who I'm about to have on, too, is um, a philosopher. Oh, my God, I can't think of his name. Uh, what is his name? The atheist philosopher? I can't remember his name. You know him. Kino Dennett? No, King Catholic. You had him on. The big, the big, uh, big name. Um, fuck, I can't think of his name. I don't know. Whatever. You had him on, Mm. Oh, um, the one that you said is your favorite atheist philosopher. You told him that. Oh, Graham Oppie. Of yes, yes. Uh, Graham Oppie doesn't like me anymore, but you what? know. <laughs> I like Gio. I like how you call him No No A M Chomsky because it reminds me no like cause, yeah, because he's like an older dude, so he doesn't really uh, you know like he goes to sleep for a long time, so he misses out all oh, yeah. the A M hours. No one A M for him. No two A M. Not even nine A M. So he like sleeps for a really long time and wakes up at at noon. He avoids the AM, so he's no AM Chomsky. Anyway, guys, this is the end of the stream. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate all of you.